How's it going, everybody? This is the Board Certified Gaming Podcast, the video game podcast with one finger on the pulse of the gaming industry and another in the nose of the podcasting industry, which means we kind of know what we're talking about when it comes to video games, but when it comes to having a podcast, eh, not so much. I feel like maybe it's the other way around some days. Some days it probably sounds like it's the other way around. We have a great podcast, but we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, which who knows? I guess that's watch and watch listen to the whole thing and then you'll probably get an idea whether we're a good podcast or we're good at knowing video game stuff i'm andy and amar's across from me as always we said it before but this year is really frustrating if 2020 was a video game it would be big rigs over the road racing 2020 is a pay-to-win game that everyone sucks at 2020 is the equivalent of a super mario underwater level how long does it take you to come up with these it took, that took me only a couple minutes. Fucking hell. I, I I got more, but we'll move on. Save them for a rainy day. I, I, sh- I should keep, I should write them and down. Just pray that it never rains. Yeah. A rainy day in Arizona. I'll save them for that. So this pandemic has really thrown a wrench in things and brought about an uncertainty that spans all areas of science, medicine, industry, and every single person on this planet. Nobody knows what the future holds or what it will look like. But that doesn't mean two regular dudes with a video game podcast can't talk about it and make some half-assed guesses. That's what we're here to do. So we mentioned the fact that we might have gone too hard, too fast with computing and graphical improvements on our last episode about games getting too big and taking too long to make. It was kind of a small little comment that Amara actually mentioned. And I thought, why not expound upon that? By kind of painting you guys a word picture about the state of the gaming industry, its uncertain future, and kind of how, where we go from here, what happens. I mean, we have some new consoles coming out in a few months, but after that, who knows? I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about when you dive into the potential plateau and peak. I mean, have we peaked in terms of technology, in terms of advancing and development and all these computing power buzzwords that we can have like are we at the best we can possibly be is it kind of our peak or is it a soft ceiling meaning yes but there is probably a little bit more we can do because you see how these consoles have probably the best computing power of any console ever made it's like i think the xbox series x is what seven xbox ones or something like that has like the same computing power as like that. Is the xbox one x's i think yeah like that's crazy but that, it's like four oh, gotta find it now because yeah. i know what you're talking but i about. remember the comparison chart it was like the xbox series x has the same computing power as putting together like six xbox one x's like we're getting that's a huge jump i think but i don't know how far more we can go i think we actually They've just used up all of their developmental juice to make these consoles, and there's only so much they can improve on from now. I think we are hitting a plateau. There's like 21 like original Xboxes, yeah. probably more than that. Yeah, that's probably like 40, because those things, who knows what the processing power of those things were. But before we get into that, check out our Twitter, at BCG Podcast. Follow us. That would be really cool. Just go to our Twitter page, hit that follow button. You don't even have to pay attention to our tweets. Just hit the follow button. Even if you're a bot, that would be cool. Even if you're just somebody that, there's a bot on Twitter that I like. If you tweet nice, it like tweets back at you. 
There's a Reddit bot. There's a Reddit bot that does that count too. how many it times track. you said night. Yeah, yeah, there's a leaderboard. Some bot, uh, which I someone said it like twelve thousand. Like they have twelve thousand posts on Reddit. That's just the word nice. Which, that's pretty nice. I'm glad there are bots that do. I gotta that. keep up. Well, my score is definitely low. So follow our Twitter at BCG Podcast. Follow our Instagram at Board Certified Gaming Podcast. B O R E D. If you don't know from the title, I don't know why you would just like go. Oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to this and not know what it's called. That's on you, I guess. B-O-R-E-D. We also would like if you guys would give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can review us. That would be awesome. Because then somehow that improves our show because then more people will find it, more people will listen to it, and then more people will give us five stars. If you do collect all those stars. If you do one on uh, Apple Podcasts, do me a favor and just put in the comment, this guy fucks. Which guy, though? Doesn't matter. It's probably you. Just this guy fucks. They're probably talking about you. Doesn't matter if it's me, you, okay, anybody we, else. Just, this guy fucks. Just this guy fucks. Five stars, this guy fucks. That's it. That's Go all ahead. I want to see. And if we have like 17 reviews that say that, that'd be awesome. All right. So we're going to get into it. Actually, say this podcast fucks. Yeah, that's better. There we go. Yeah, this guy. I you mean, could do this could, guy. I don't care. We'll both take that as a compliment. But if you want to say this podcast fucks, either or is fine. That with sounds me. great. Both. I'm a simple man. Both. This guy and this podcast. This guy's fuck. podcast fucks. There we go. That's it. All right. Or so this podcast guys fuck. This podcast fucks guys. <laughs> You'll figure it out. These guys fuck podcasts. All right. So I am going to set the stage here by talking about something called Moore's Law. If you guys don't know what that is, it's going to be very. Is that like Lemon Law? Yes. From that episode of How I Met Your Mother. It's exactly episode. It's like a three episode. It was like a it's a fucking motto, man. I guess. Lemon Law. It's they a only, thing. Yeah. They talked about it for like two episodes. And then it was like, well, it should have been Barney's Law. And that was it. So So this isn't like Barney's Law. This isn't like Barney's Law. This is Moore's Law. So if you guys know anything about this, then I guess just sit back and listen to a guy explain it kind of poorly. If you don't know about it, I'm a I am an expert. <laughs> Don't listen to that first statement. He's not. He only fucks. So Moore's Law has to do with computing power advancing in development. So Gordon Moore was the co-founder of Intel, the guy that makes the chips that you are likely using in your computer to listen to this, whether it be a smartphone, a laptop, whatever. Should have called it Moore's chip. Probably. He should have called it Moore, just not Intel. If he was a programmer, it could have been called Moore's Code. There you go. That and it should have been because you could actually flip that what out. A fucking loser. You could actually flip that out because code and law kind of mean the same thing. So you could make it Moore's Code. Mm. Well, that's a missed opportunity. Hmm. So the co-founder makes more money than us. I guess he might be dead. I'm not sure. Good so <laughs> he was the co-founder of Intel. Guy knows his stuff about computers. We think. So he looked at a bunch of economic data and found that transistor numbers had been doubling every two years, which is kind of the going rate. This is back in the 60s when computers weren't, like everybody didn't have them in their home. They were the size of- They didn't of, have them in their pockets. They were the size of rooms, I think, Back in the when 60s. computers didn't track you yeah. and throw ads in your face. Back, which is funny because now we don't care about computers. It's like, oh yeah, sure, that phone has enough, like you could have flown to the moon with the same amount of computing power that's in your phone, and we don't give a single shit. 
why the fuck aren't we going to the moon more often? I know. I'm saying like, okay. As soon as you tell people like it's that, so they're like, whoa. To go to the moon. Uh, I don't buddy, care. Buddy, my phone Here's my iPhone. Here's my iPhone. Go yeah. ahead. Send me. Like, it's, we just don't care that computers are like everywhere. I have and that four we, generations of iPhones sitting in a closet somewhere. Yeah. Send me to Mars. Yeah. So the benefits of adding more transistors didn't outweigh the costs of adding them in the first place. So they were making, getting more benefits from adding the transistors than they were from taking away costs of adding them, if that made sense. More transistors basically means that the transistors themselves are getting smaller to fit on those little square chips, which means there's more computing power available, which means faster computers, and means they're more accessible by the common person, which means if you have more transistors, you get faster speeds, and then the slower computers become accessible because they're cheaper, because they're not the newest models. So every single time that these the transistors doubled and all these computers got faster, these slower computers were just like, yeah, sure, give them to people. Who cares? They're slower. We need the faster ones for doing the important stuff, which is kind of became the standard. This is like everybody, all right, we're going at two years doubling speeds. That's what we're looking at. Because he saw there was like a trend and it basically did a diagonal line upwards, which is good that means it's a solid rate it's a steady rate which they took and morphed kind of into every industry they're like okay well we need to double speeds we need to double this we need to improve by a certain amount every few years that's just became like a standard and everybody went with that it was coined back in the 60s and it was correct for a long time like this guy was onto something he kind of set the standard for how we developed technology in the future. So it led to advancements like smaller, portable, general computers. This was a time where people didn't have a computer in their home. I don't even think they had, you know, it was like one computer in a building and that was it. And it was punch cards and all that other crap. With getting chips smaller, with getting computers smaller, you could be like, hey, I could have this in my living room if I want. And you could have that in your living room if you want. So they made smaller home computers, video game consoles too. I mean, the first video game console was in the 1972 with the Magnavox Odyssey. Computers and video games are kind of the same thing. They both take computing chips. They both take data and extrapolate it. Do all that. It's a lot of numbers and stuff. That was a very dumb way of describing how video games are also computers, but that's what they do. So consoles... They compute stuff. They compute, which is... A stupid way of putting it, but it's true. Video game consoles use the same chips that computers do. Consoles are a little bit less powerful due to cooling limitations, due to power limitations. And also, they don't really need to be these super like computers because graphics weren't really there yet. To have Pong on a screen, you didn't really need to have the most high-tech computer in the world. That's just how it works. Graphics didn't really get to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, you need a lot to process here. So can you like keep up? So that's why there was a lot of consoles back in the day because people could just make them. They're just like, hey, we can make chips like this. Hey, there's tons of chip companies that we can get these from. Let's do it. But as things started to double, as it became very costly to have all of these improvements, chip companies started going falling by the wayside and the ones that could do it well became bigger, like Intel, like AMD today. Like there's only two or three available today. That's just how it works because all the other ones couldn't do it or didn't do it as well and as well as the other guys. So 
Moore's law was correct for a while, but it gets less and less possible to happen as time goes on because it's it wasn't a foolproof law. It wasn't like this is going to be true for as long as life exists. That's not how it works. And that's kind of the point of this episode. Things slow down. Developments can only go so far. They can only get so big. They can only get so advanced. It's like, well, we can't really go that far that fast. We have to slow down. We can't. It's impossible. They actually gave Moore a second law, which is basically an attachment to his first law. The second part says, as the price of faster computers decreases, the cost to fulfill Moore's law, Moore's first law, increases. Which means, in if, if the price of these faster computers goes down, companies aren't making enough money to try to make these huge leaps in technology advancements to try to make double the processing speed every two years. It just becomes less and less feasible because it costs too much money and then all these companies are like, all right, we can either spend our entire budget in R&D and engineering trying to make these huge technological advancements, or we can focus on the stuff we already have that's pretty damn good and try to make it so we can make as much money from that stuff. Or spread it out over time and not try to do it every two years, maybe slow down and maybe do it every three, every four. So this kind of attaches to gaming and consoles because they use the same kind of chips. You can kind of advance by not really messing with the chips, by changing the software up a little bit, by kind of finding some other efficient ways to do things. Stacking chips is another thing. Like they, instead of having better chips, they just added more cores. So they're like, okay, well, cool. You can have cores that handle other things at the same time. But I read an analogy that was like, having two cores and most programs are like, okay, think of them as cars. You need to go take your kids to school and then you need to go get groceries. If you have two cars, those can both be done at the same time. But most processes nowadays are like, take the kids to school and then take them to soccer practice. If you have two cars, that doesn't really help that because you still need to use one car to pick up the kids and then that same car needs to go take them to soccer practice. That's how that works. So I bring this all up. This is very long and boring to show that there are limits of how things can improve. There are peaks that we are slowly starting to realize that we're hitting. There are a lot of CEOs and a lot of people in the gaming and technology industries that are saying Moore's Law is basically kind of dead. It's slow to the point where it's super dead. So the question is really, have our expectations grown at a rate that technology can no longer keep up with? Are we expecting these double the speeds, double all this stuff, make it faster, make it bigger, make it better every few years? And then all these companies are like, hey, we can't. We can maybe do it every eight, nine years. How about that? Is that good? Which for us, probably not. We're waiting for all of these new things to come out. And it's like, well, we can get it to you in six years, maybe at the earliest, if you're patient enough. And this... COVID-19 is throwing a wrench in every single thing because it's like, well, now we can't do anything because we're all at home and now people need computers more than ever. So once the new consoles come out in fall of 2020, then what? What's going to happen after that? Because those consoles are already... Them. Yes, we play them. We buy them and they get our money for that time period. But what happens after? I mean, these consoles are going to be 
high tech. They're going to be probably the best console you will ever have in your life up to this point. It's all the consoles before it put together. Pretty much, yeah. But you can't, where do you go from that? You can't just, well, we're going to double that. We're going to make it even better, even faster. You could probably go a little bit faster, but then at a certain point, you're getting to where just buy a PC because then these parts are going to just cost so much money. They're going to have to make so much money back from spending all this research development and engineering into making these super fast supercomputers that they need to make a lot of money back. They're going to make these consoles like $800, the same price as a PC or even $1,000 or something because like, hey, these chips that we're making, we had to really cut corners and really try to figure out how we can make these chips the fastest possible. And we tanked our bottom line. So we need to make a lot of more money from other ways. So now we're going to talk about consoles. I'm going to talk about consoles. I'm kind of railroading Amar here. So see if, Amar, see if you can notice a pattern here. The PS1 came out in 1994. The PS2 came out in 2000. The PS3 came out in 2006. PS4 came out in 2013. PS5 came out in 2020. The Xbox original came out in 2001. Xbox 360, 2006. Xbox One, 2013. Xbox Series X, 2020. Do you see the pattern there? Seven-year life cycle? It gets from a six-year life cycle to a seven-year life cycle, and it's like, okay, well, this is almost getting at eight years. It's just like keeps getting bigger and bigger. They're taking longer to make as technology advances only so quickly. 360 wasn't 2006. That was 2005. 2005? Yeah. Well, still. So. Whatever. The 360's life cycle is. Which 2000. They stopped doing that thing in like 2016. Which 2005 to 2013 makes it an eight-year life cycle from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One. So, it's, so it took less to go from the one to the Series X. Yes, technically, but it's so still seven to eight years. best console ever, I guess. But it's still like the seven. It went from a, it's PlayStation, I guess, is the better model because it went from six to seven. Likely, the next one's probably going to be like eight or nine years, just because that's how long it takes to make something. That's you got to make it better and bigger than ever before. I'm cool with it, man. I know which. If we can get six or seven, eight years out of this console and make it like, well, hey, That's it's already well spent, yeah. it's already 2028. 20, oh, I didn't even notice. I mean, even if you, even if it is an $800 console and you get eight years out of it, you're paying $100 a year for a console. I guess, yeah. So it's 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 not bad it's worth all. it in the end. You pay more for Prime. True. And you get less compared to this. Yeah, you get to order stuff and not pay for shipping. That's about it. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. And I get Prime Video, which I don't watch anything on there. Which Except for SpongeBob. That's a lie. There you go. I watch SpongeBob on there. So the tricky part to making these consoles is making sure they're not obsolete as soon as they release. Just like a kind of a car, they depreciate in value as soon as you take them off the lot. A, I just bought a computer you know, a couple weeks ago. A week later, new stuff came out. They're like, well, you might want to wait because there's new chips coming out soon. And then everything's going to be on sale. Everything's going to be cheaper because now nobody's going to want it anymore. Correct. Which it's that's, I guess, common with everything. As soon as the new model comes out, the less one, the one before it just becomes cheaper and easier to have. So with these consoles, especially with these long time it takes to release a new one, you want to make sure that it lasts as long as possible being this super fast high-tech thing because if it starts to suck after like two years and you're like sorry we have like six years until we come out with the next console you're kind of stuck with that until then or you're stuck doing damage control like xbox did with the red ring yeah 
or it's got a bunch of problems and it's like, well, we fixed those, but that's in the next consult when it comes out in five years. Sorry, you're going to have to deal with it. People will go elsewhere. They will find something else. They will be scorned. They will be like, you know what? I don't trust you. I'm going to try to go something somewhere else because I don't think you're actually taking care of this. I don't want to wait six years for some kind of improvements to happen or making it better, which is the point. We as consumers are impatient as hell. We don't want to wait for a damn thing. Nope. So companies have to balance that. They have to say, okay, how much money is it costing us to make these mo the make the fastest console ever? How much money does it cost to do that? How much does it cost to take that fastest console ever and make seven million of them so people, everyone around the world can play them? How much does that cost? Okay, cool. How much do we make back by everyone buying them? Okay, cool. If we take seven years to do that, and it's, we're continuously developing that whole entire time, can we make that money back? Because it's not like Xbox is just like, all right, cool. You want to build a console? We'll take the next like six months and get it done. It's like, no, they've been working over the last five, six years trying to figure out how it all works together. They're probably already thinking, okay, cool. What's next? What can we do after we release these consoles? They probably have a team that's like, all right, what are the newest innovations you guys can come up with because they'll them. most likely do the same thing that they did with the uh xbox one and ps4 where they'll probably do like a mid console like reboot yeah most likely they'll just be like hey here's the slim because the ps4 pro and one. the xbox one x those came out 2016 something like that yeah those are still fairly recent after. yeah so it's like literally halfway through the life cycle they're like fuck it here's a more powerful one yeah which they can kind of do, which kind of buys them time. If in the middle of it, they were like, all right, in the middle of this seven, eight year span, here's like halfway through, here's a kind of more powerful one, which kind of shows the, all right, that took us that long to do. It still took us four years to come up with a slightly better Xbox. It's like, yes, some people, it's enough. But it's they have to understand that they can't keep going at a certain rate because then it's just unfeasible we were talking last episode about how games can't be this big because they're not going to make their money back consoles are the same way just like computers as well if they make them if it costs way too much money to make because they're trying to meet some expectation some rate that it's like this is what we need to do or else people are going to be unhappy if we release the same console but hey we if it's like well you can do 12 teraflops and then seven years later if they put out the next xbox which is going to be called something stupid and they're like, well, we can get 13 teraflops in this one. Everybody's going to be like, okay, why am I buying that then? What's the point? What does is, what is one more teraflop get me? What does that do? Which is kind of the point of this entire thing. 2020 models of the consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, are going to have the most advanced chips possible that they could get realistically and fit in there. There are probably a little bit more advanced chips in a pc but that's you know for a whole different discussion they're nearing that they're kind of getting close to what's in a pc though they're faster but that's about it all it really does is get rid of loading screens which is a big buzz the thing that they're trying to put out there is that well loading that's a hot new thing loading that's screens are a now. thing of the past you don't have to really load games it's just so what am i supposed pulled. to pee you're gonna have to miss a cutscene, but that's how it works next they're gonna get rid of pause buttons I maybe you can't everything is online always. That's just how it works. And if loading screens are a thing of the past, what's quicker than that? 
What can you make faster? There's nothing to really make faster because you can't make the game faster. That would be stupid if you had a game that was just like, well, now it's faster. That doesn't make any sense. So all you can do is kind of make them look better, which isn't the processor's job. On Think of it like, well, you have the processor and then you have the graphics card. The graphics card is to make the game look pretty. The processor is to make it not destroy your computer when you run it. So games themselves are kind of peaking too from a graphic standpoint. There's only so much computing power you need to run a game. It just gets loaded and probably runs faster. Graphic improvements, they're getting to the point of being kind of redundant too. Everything looks great. Name a game that looks awful, that like this, these graphics are just garbage compared to like what was there like 10 years ago. Like everything 10 years ago was like blocks and like garbage. Well, I, mean, I guess they 10 still years ago was a little... 2010 was still, 10 years ago. I should say 20 years ago. They still make games that are like 8-bit and stuff like that. That's that are the, still yeah. great games. And they make games that are literally like, we don't care that this looks like it was made uh, for Nintendo 64. Right. It's just that's what still, we made it like. They're still great games. And they still kind of look like a sharper version of an N64 game. Undertale is a fucking great game that yeah. looks pales in comparison graphically. Yeah, which graphics like... There's not a game that's like, okay, this is way too under for what it had, for the technology it had. If you don't spend enough time making it pretty, what are you doing? Like, if your game doesn't look like kind of fine, you wasted your money and your time. Which these companies, they can't go for more realistic stuff. They're getting to the limit of realism where it's like you can't, Short of having like live action people, which they did, there were games that had like actual actors and they just like, I forgot what the actual genre is called, but it was games where you like, well, these, this is actually like just a recording of people like in trap doors and stuff and they fall in the trap door because you oh, made their own V games. That's what it is. It's like, those are actual actors. Those are live action. The graphics look like kind of shitty and slow, but that was basically as real as you could get kind of, because it's like actual human people with human features where they're trying to replicate that in CGI. Just like movies, CGI isn't going to get that much better. It's kind of what it is. It's You can kind of make realistic things out of computer code. It's not going to be truly realistic because you can't really see, like an alien world, you're not going to know what that really looks like. It's just going to look more like, looks like people could be there. It looks like those people are there, which is what games are. Even The Last of Us 2, which is like kind of hyper-realistic, they still look like computer people. They're not like, okay, I'm looking at a movie here. It's like, clearly I know I'm looking at a game. Madden, you can have all the sweat you want, all the tattoos you want. I still know I'm looking at computer-generated football players. It's like, you can't make it real, real. That's not how it works. So there's a limit to that too. The naked eye can only tell the difference in frame rates really when there's like a huge difference. I can't really tell the difference between like 30 frames and 60 frames most of the time. Unless I'm like legitimately paying, paying attention or there's like a double, you know, the two screens or like this one's playing at 60 FPS. This one's playing at 30. And it's like, okay, well, kind of. I see like that's a little sharper like movement. If you're doing a lot of movement, that's what counts. So ray tracing is the new thing as well, which is supposed to be this new hot development that graphics are doing. Makes Minecraft look great. But all it is is kind of working with reflections. That's Which, all they can do at this point. I mean, we've... That's it. 
that's the whole point. It's is just that's, refining. That's it. all they it's can do. Fine. I mean, games yeah. are fine. We're not going to see a graphical. I mean, it's been documented hundreds of times over. We're not going to see a graphical increase for the next fifteen years. Yeah. But at this point, that's all they can do is refine it because and then put a name on it and say, well, it's ray tracing. Yeah. If they don't release a console, they're not making money. Yeah. So that's kind of the whole point is that these buzzwords are just like what these companies can just come up with to say, hey, we improved something. Here's something. It's kind of a little bit better. I equate it to putting a racing stripe on a Mustang. Yeah, it looks kind of cool, but the car was already kind of cool to begin with. Like it didn't need that racing stripe. You just were like, yeah, I have an extra 200 bucks. I put a racing stripe on my Mustang. Like, sure. Like you own a Mustang. You don't need a racing stripe to prove that you have a Mustang. So graphics, the games themselves, and the systems we play them on are all hitting plateaus. They're all starting to see that we cannot keep up with these paces that everybody's kind of expecting. And eventually, maybe not in the next console cycle, maybe not in the next, you know, however many years, it's going to bottom out though. It's going to be like, what I equate it to is it's either going to be GTA or it's going to be Madden. Meaning GTA is released every, what, 10 years, something like that with the last couple. It's been like eight, 10 years for the next one to come out. And then they're like, okay, it's going to be this big grand thing that you can do a ton in. It's going to redefine the genre. It's going to redefine the series, all this other stuff. But you're going to have to wait 10 years to do it. And it's going to cost a fuck ton of money. Or it's going to be like Madden, where it comes out every year. And they're like, well, hey, we improved this a little bit. Now your football moves a little bit more in the air. And now tackling is still fucked up. Like they, it, FIFA doesn't really improve or like all these games that come out every year. It's like we made slight improvements. You're not going to notice a ton. It's going to be the same kind of game, but here it is next year. So you're not waiting 10 years to get a new one, which is kind of how developments work. It's either they take a long time and they're bigger or they're smaller, happen more often. But do we care? Which one would we prefer? Ones that come every year and they're like slight improvements progressing towards eventually being faster, being better, or bigger ones where it's like, okay, cool, that might be worth it. Because then you run into that, well, I'd rather have them now because then I don't want to wait 10 years and then buy it. And then it's, well, it's obsolete again, or it's there are more problems with this. And I waited 10 years for nothing really improving. So here are my kind of theories for the future that I want to kind of end with just to be like, all right, here's where I think it's going. We're going to ride out the new console for a little while. Amar and I are going to be playing the hell out of it. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be great. It's going to last a couple of years before it's like, all right, what's what's next? What do you got in the barrel? What's what's coming next? Where are you going to... In a couple of years, we'll be able to tell the shortcomings of these consoles. We're going to be able to figure out where the hole is. We're going to be able to figure out, okay, this actually kind of stinks and would be nice if they fixed that in the next one. Or they're going to also figure out, hey, this is where we can add on to this next one and make it even better, which maybe a pro console will do that. Maybe the PS5 Pro or the Xbox Series XX, something like that. I don't know. The triple X. The triple X. Oh, yeah. That's, the Vin Diesel of Xbox. There we go. That's better. So we're going to get some ray tracing. We're going to get some slight graphical improvements for now. It's Things are going to look kind of prettier, even though it's like, okay, they were looking pretty good already. That's fine. I mean, there were, I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn on a 1080i TV, and I'm like, okay, I played it on a 4K TV, and I was like, okay, it looks kind of nice. 
a little bit better, a little bit sharper. And then with ray tracing, I'm going to be like, all right, well, these games kind of look good. They were like, if you didn't have ray tracing and then you were like, put it on, I'm sure I'd notice a little bit of difference, but it's like, doesn't take away from the experience. Right. And it might not add much to it either. We'll have to see if it's like, oh my God, this is, I cannot play a game without ray tracing. I don't think that's going to be something that's coming out of everyone's mouth. Some people are PC master race. People are going to be saying that they're going to be like, I, I, it's just ugly without ray tracing. Loading screens are going to be gone. Games are going to run and be done faster because you got to think, pick your typical fallout gears, whatever. How much time are you going to save by not having loading screens? You know, take a big game like fallout. That's half of the game. It's just loading to go into this place and then realizing, oh shit, I didn't actually need to go in there. And now I need to go to a loading screen to get back out. But you hope it's the quick one that's like, oh, we already knew what world you're going to. So it's quick leaving. So it's like loading screens are a thing of the past. I personally think it might be the last console generation for a long time because they realize we can't make these any faster. Probably. I think this is the one where they're going to see the data over the next couple of years and they're going to realize, oh shit, we're going to make a pro or the kind of like the halfway console. And they're going to realize unless something drastically happens, we aren't, we're going to have a console with like 13 teraflops. That's all we could do. And it's like the same thing. We're going to have to ask people to buy the same thing over and over again. They will because people have been buying Skyrim 17 different times since it comes out. I think out. there was a listing for Skyrim for 70 bucks and like one of the new ones. I don't know if it was like a real one or not. It's going to PS5 Skyrim. Yeah. I believe that. If it's going off of the pattern of console development, likely they'll take seven to eight years, probably eight to nine. If it's just going off of it, it's going to take a little bit longer. But I think... At least 10 is going to pass before the next one. That's my per if one at all. Likely there will be one just because they want to make money and they realize people buy consoles anyway, regardless of knowing what they do or what potential they have for the future, they're still going to buy it. Advancements to computing technology will be more specialized. I read this in an article and I thought it was really cool. Development is going to be on an industry-wide basis or a problem-wide basis. So they're going to look at a computer and say, okay, how can we improve this to solve our problems? The ones, the things that we need, we want to accomplish our goals as opposed to the general problems or goals that people have everywhere with their computers. In the medical industry, they're gonna be like, all right, how can we improve the processing power to scan this thing or to analyze results for diagnosis faster? How can we do that? How can we improve the computer to do that? Instead of how can we make this computer so everybody can benefit from this and make everyone's computer faster? They're going to be like, all right, well, how can we take this industry, this niche, and improve their computers for this? And then once there's like a big breakthrough, that's something like, hey, this is awesome. This would help everybody. Then it's going to be adapted to gaming. Then it's going to be, okay, video games, here, this will help you. Take this, put this on your new consoles. We saved you enjoy like after seven years of this development in the meantime after these consoles release and amar and i are playing the hell out of them i think streaming game streaming is going to be taking the floor it's going to be hey our time to shine perfect time is between consoles because it's like nothing new is coming out yes you have games they can also get the games 
I think xCloud, Stadia, PS Now, all these services are going to be like, all right, cool. We have consoles that are going to process whatever the hell they want. But we have a mobility. We have an ease of access. You don't need to have this $400, $500, $600 console in order to play our games. You need the Google thing or an internet connection or one of those, I want to get one the controller clip things. So you can just have the controller and then clip your phone to it. I want to get that. Do they make iPad ones? That would be too much. If you're, you just get a case on your iPad and prop it. I'm just saying, no, I mean like have a control. It's a little extra, but like have a a controller with a clip that attaches to an iPad. God, I'm saying like, I want to be just that douchebag. That's got to break your controller. I'm just saying it'll break the clip. I just want to be that douchebag. That's got an iPad attached to my controller and I'm just walking around with it. But I think more and more people are getting access to the internet. Minimum speeds are continuing to grow. So anybody, as long as they can download the app, they can play an Xbox game. They can play a game on Stadia. They can do whatever. You know, I think that's going to really decide. Everybody gives a lot of shit to Stadia because they kind of bungled their release. And we still don't have a lot of details about it. They still like to think it's a big popular thing, but I don't think it is. But... I think Stadia or someone like Stadia, probably xCloud is probably going to do a lot better. I'm jazzed for it. I'm going to be like, all right, cool. I can play Xbox games like just on my phone as long as I have a controller that can connect to it or like on an iPad just at work or in on the toilet. Sure. I think that's going to be a model. Nintendo Switch, everybody really likes it because it's, hey, I can take this on the go or I can play docked. So if I want to play games on the TV, that's fine. If I want to play it somewhere else, I can do that too. I think that's going to be a super important thing. And that's going to tie into my final point, which is games are going to be more of a service, not a product. They're already seeing that now. Services like Xbox Game Pass, Nintendo Switch Online, PS Plus, they're going to just expand. Theirs aren't going away. They're going to just expand and be this huge thing that's like, all right, we're going to add more games. We're going to release more stuff. I didn't think Xbox Game Pass was going to tie with with, uh, gold. I didn't think that was going to be a thing. And then they did, and it's like, it's a great value. It's a very good value. And everybody sees that. $15 a month seems like a super deal compared to, okay, you got to buy a game for $70 and then this game for $70 and then this game for $70. It's like, all right, or you can get 300 games for $15 a month. I always think of Spotify as like, for anybody that hates on like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, because they think it's too much money. It's like, wait a minute. So you're paying... or probably $5.95 or whatever for the student version for nearly every song ever. Yeah, too much. I I can't. It's too much. Too much money. Like Game Pass, you get 300 games, 15 bucks. And you don't need to buy gold, which you can play these games online as well. And you get free games with that. Like it's Xbox is doing it right. And I think everybody's going to try to capitalize on that model and say all right we're going to do subscription services because if you think about it we also had an episode on this about where the 60 dollars you pay goes 70 now 15 dollars a month per person that xbox is getting microsoft is getting might sound a little bit better than maybe a portion of the 60 dollars they get if people buy the game because if people buy the subscription services they don't give a fuck what game you play they really don't they're like we got your 15 dollars a month If you play this game, we do not give a single shit. Yes, it might affect some of the numbers if it's like, well, 
we really need this game to do well because it's one of our studios. But if it's just a regular game that came out, they're not having to worry about like, well, we hope that a millions of people are going to buy this copy of it, spend $70 because we want a portion of that. Now it's, we already have a steady base of income coming in. So that's, I think games will become more of a service and not phase out actual copies of games, but I think you're going to see a lot more services, a lot more advanced and expanded services that are going to be like, why do I even buy games anymore? I'll just do Game Pass the whole time. With Xbox Series X, I might not even buy a game right away. I might just say, well, I got Game Pass. I still got stuff I'm working on. They're going to have how many games that are like, well, you can play these right away. Here you go. I'm going to do that. So that's kind of the theories I think about when the future is coming. And then there's also one little point that I want to make before we end today, and that's COVID-19. Yeah. It had a lot of impacts on everything. It's screwing up a lot of people's lives. We're okay. We're hanging in there. But if you think about it, the economy is hurting a lot. Some self-inflicted, but a lot of it is COVID-19. So the economy will be feeling the COVID hit for a while. The games industry is included in that as well. Priorities might shift a little bit. So if you think about it in terms of, of what I was talking about earlier with development, game studios, game companies, game technology manufacturers, they're going to say, all right, well, we need to make up what we lost from COVID-19 for over the next how many years until we get our money back. Let's maybe hold off on trying to find all this new technology, all this new things that make our games play at the utmost of their ability. Maybe let's slow down on that. Let's focus on getting as much money as we can out of the stuff we currently have instead of putting it all in R&D, putting it all in like, let's make sure we can keep up and make sure that we're the biggest, best, and fastest. I think a lot of companies are going to realize that and they're going to kind of scale down a little bit because it costs money to do that stuff. So... To summarize this whole entire thing, which it's been a lot, I understand. This has been very boring. It's just been me talking this whole time. Amar, I appreciate you letting, Sorry, I just letting me know a lot to say. So to summarize, this entire game industry has to pay attention to what it's doing because our expectations as consumers are to have the best, brightest, fastest, biggest, whatever, within a certain point or else we get pissed off or else we're like, this is taking forever. So the companies have to understand that they have to try to make that happen for people. But if they go too hard, too fast, try to make as much as money as they can, it doesn't work that way. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So we've kind of hit a development peak almost where Moore's law is starting to be the other way where it's like, if you double the transistors, it'll be double the time instead of double the speeds. Yes, you'll get more speed, but it'll take forever to do, and then your bottom line will go the other way. You'll have a valley with your bottom line. Moore's Valley. Moore's Valley. I'm sure there's a Moore's Valley somewhere. That's got to be a place. So you, you have to pay attention. You have to be like, okay, how soon can we make this? How fast, honestly, can we get in the next couple of years? And barring some mass effect, hey, the aliens found us and they gave us their alien technology and then we can go across galaxies. We can't just wait for that to happen. 
but we also have to be realists here and understand we can only go so far. What we have right now is pretty damn cool. I mean, that's a lot of teraflops of computing power that we had have that we did not have how many decades ago. When Gordon Moore came up with this rule in 1960, he was like, yeah, shit's going to advance and we're going to be making some cool shit. And they did. But now they're still making cool shit, but it takes a while, costs a lot, isn't really that much faster. That's just how it works. So we have to slow down. We have to realize. We have to temper our expectations a little bit. As consumers, as bright-eyed CEOs of tech companies, maybe understand that we're doing great Maybe just try to get some stuff out. We don't always have to make the biggest jump possible. Small jumps are also very appreciated as long as you're not going the other way and as, not, as long as you're not pricing yourself out of the market and saying, well, we can't function now because we put all our eggs in this development basket and it didn't work and people didn't like it. Because guaranteed, these consoles are going to have their problems. They might even be terrible. We don't know. We're not going to know until we get them. New PC parts, we're not going to know until we put them in our computer and try them. Yes, they can tell us that they work. They can tell us what their goals were. But if we don't like them, they don't work. And all these companies wasted years and money to try to make it. And it didn't happen. So we need to temper our expectations and realize that things can plateau and that's fine. But then you need to adapt and realize, okay, this is what the future is going to be. This is the standard now, just like free to play modes. Free to play was just kind of like an ugly stepchild. It's like, yeah, those games don't make any money. Those are for companies who just wanted to put out a game and didn't have enough for their marketing budget, so they just made it free so people will download it anyway. Now it's like free-to-play games. Yes, these are some of the biggest games on the planet, and you are going to want to play this, and we make billions of dollars from it. So you just need to adapt. You need to understand what everybody's doing, understand what you can do, and kind of adapt and zig when everybody else zags. So hopefully this wasn't a super boring episode. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next week at BCG Podcast on Twitter, at Board Certified Gaming Podcast on Instagram. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Even if you hate us, give us five stars out of hate. Do that. This podcast fucks. This podcast fucks. Write that down. Any combination of the words fucks this podcast. Surprises. Yeah. Impress us. Use your vocabulary to its maximum. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Peace. Later.